So welcome to day 17 of our 21 days of prosperity coaching. And today's mantra is intergenerational wealth. I think it was a series uh, or one of the episodes of Seinfeld where, you know, they were talking about inheriting from their family. And one of them said, you know, why can't we inherit when we're young where we could actually build up things rather than when we're old, when someone dies? And there was one um, person who said, and it may have been an interview with Larry David, where they said the father just gave him the money when he was young to do something and build something with it. Um, I'm not necessarily saying you pull a King Lear, right, where you give away all your wealth to your kids and then end up raving mad. But when we think about intergenerational wealth, multi-generations, then we can more easily keep the money in the family. You know, we've talked yesterday about that um, important thing to do to keep the money in the family. So how this works is it starts when your child is born. And I would strongly recommend reading the ABCs of Money for College when your child is born. Because it's not only about what career path is going to help them. And you might say, well, why do I have to start when they're born? Well, because maybe that's when you're going to start the college fund, right? Maybe that's when you're going to start thinking about what kind of posters you put in their room, in addition to, you know, whatever toy that they're excited about. And then as they grow, um, I know as an example, you know, there was uh, one person who in medical school bought a duplex and rented out the other side of it and basically covered her housing costs. And there was the person she rented to who came out with a quarter of a million in uh, student loan debt. You know, of course she, she was a doctor so she can afford to pay more for it. But, you know, again, this, this kind of idea that you can help your kids throughout their life rather than just booting them out on their own. Like when we think about it in America, you know, we think, well, each generation has to do it on their own, right? But in Europe, you know, like Prince William, he didn't buy Kensington Palace or, you know, uh, King Charles didn't buy Buckingham Palace, right? So we have these unrealistic re expectations that the honestly, even very wealthy in the United States don't put on their kids. So when we think about in intergenerational wealth and how the money that they pay landlords might actually be helping you if it's not going to the landlord in some way, shape or form. I'll give you another statistic. Um, I believe it's over 40% of people under 30 and at least over a third of millennials and Gen Z who are living with family members. So this is higher than it was in the Great Depression. Now it's probably coming out of need, but what we're seeing is that they're actually enjoying it more than they thought. And again, from the standpoint of keeping the money in the family, it might make sense. Now, I'm not saying that you should live with someone who's toxic to you. What I'm saying is that every 
choice that you make about where your money goes is a choice that you can make a different choice about if you so desire. So when you think about, you know, $1,500 a month being over, you know, $18,000 a year, right? That is money that could help the family instead of making the landlord rich. So is that something that would enrich your life to the point where you can create the space and boundaries to make it a win-win for everybody? Could that 18000 be building up towards a down payment so that when your 20-year-old does move out, that they could buy their own place? Or should it be that they're working to be the main homeowner of your place and you're working to downsize into the ADU, additional dwelling unit? So if you have three generations annually, that could be up to $60,000 for housing, right? That could create a very luxurious space when you think about it, instead of making landlords rich. So I want you to today, and if you can't make time today to do it, then make this a goal for the next few days. Start thinking about the amount of money that you're, the generation ahead of you and the generation behind you is spending on at least housing. And don't stop there. Also think about the car and the transportation issue. Um, I know somebody who said he's, he's spending $6,000 a year on just car insurance. The average person spends um, almost $8,000 owning a car when you include the car payment, the car insurance, gasoline and maintenance. When I met with the mayor of Santa Monica a few years ago, Santa Monica is transitioning to um, shared roads and being bike friendly and all of micro mobility. And the mayor had four adults in the family and he had five bikes and one car. And he said that they are spending less than half on transportation. And that's even including the fact that they would have to get an Uber because maybe one of the family members was using the car when another person needed it. So I really want you, again, this is gonna help you if you have read a little bit more about the Thrive Budget. The Thrive Budget basically means if you can keep your basic needs expenditures to 50%, 50% to survive, then you can have 50% to thrive. You can have more fun. You can get more education. Education is the highest correlating factor with income. You can be more charitable. Charity is the best networking. You can contribute to your own retirement accounts and have money while you sleep, compounding gains, which is the ticket, the only ticket to real free financial freedom and wealth. All right, so do the math. How much could you, how much money in your three generations of your family is being spent on housing? How much money in the three generations of your family is being spent on transportation? Is there a more efficient way where we can keep the money in the family and everybody live a much richer life? I'll see you tomorrow.